0: Okay, so it's another episode of The Conversation, Outspoken Opinionated. Of course, I'm your host, Edwin Meyer. Today we're talking about all things therapy. Um, it's gonna be an amazing conversation today. I have a great friend, uh, Manuela Mboma, who's also a licensed therapist. She's gonna come on and just give us some, just educate us basically on you know therapy. I also have a friend who's gonna come up and just talk about his struggles um when it came when it comes to mental health. And there's something like I talked about last week we all have some sort of mental instability. And I think this is a great show that where we can talk about these conversations. And like I said, when I started this show um, a couple of months ago, it's really to have these conversations that people really don't have. And so um, I will be joined by a my friends, like I said earlier. But one thing I want everybody to know, November 3rd is election. And I'm asking everyone who's under the sign of my voice who will be watching this podcast, Go out and vote. If you had not, have not registered yet, um, in um the state of Maryland, um, online registration um ends next week. I believe is on the thirteen. It's October thirteen. Online register ends. Um, registration deadline to vote is October thirteen. So if you have not registered, we ask you to go, please. Um, absentee ballot deadline um should have been received by October, Should be received by October twentieth. Postmark by November third. So again, I say if you have not registered, we're asking to please go out, register to vote. Um, The deadline is October 13th. And we're asking everyone, your voice is important. In order for your voice to be heard, we need you to go out November 3rd and vote. This is very important. Um, It's extremely, extremely important that we all, as Americans, who have the right to vote, go out and exercise our right to vote. Okay, so let's have this conversation today. Like I said earlier, uh, like I said um, last week when I met with Vanessa, um, two years ago I was diagnosed with a uh, manic depressant and one thing that helped me was therapy. Um, and I think um, having the conversation with my mom that I was going to therapy was like, why are you going to sit on somebody's couch and talk your business? And I felt that, you know, this is a thing that a lot of household uh, um, don't talk about. Um, we don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about mental instability. We have we don't have the conversation at all. And so today, joining me is Manuela in boma who is a licensed counselor, where she will come on and express herself. So I ain't gonna lie. I won't do anything. I ain't gonna mess the whole stuff up because you know these people in the letters. You know I won't mess up a whole credential and all that stuff. And I be Mm-mm, can't do it. So I'm gonna bring Manuela now into the show, and then she can tell you guys who she really is. So manuela, welcome to the conversation, girl. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It's good to see you. I don't think I've seen you like it's been like been years.
1: Yeah, has probably has been a year. You know, COVID has taken us out. So you know, it's definitely been a long time. How are you? I'm
0: great. I am good. So that question is really deep. I've learned that when someone asks you, How are you? It's uh-huh. really how are you? Yeah. Well, I'm great. Okay. I, I'm in a great space in my life. I think mm-hmm. I mentally, I'm, I'm doing a lot of self-love. I'm doing a lot of self-care. Yeah. I'm doing things that I wanted to do that I didn't do before. Now I'm doing it. I don't care what people say. I'm just living my best life. Of course. Yeah, but just about context to it, people. So Manuela and I um, go yeah. way back. So Wait. she shouldn't even try it. She got all these credentials now. I knew Manuela she was probably in middle school. Yes. Let's talk about that, middle school
1: three letters behind the name
0: yes three letters i can't do it she got three letters i knew manuel she's was in middle school then manuela and i was part of a choir we're part of a young adult choir where she was basically my tenor lead so she thought <laughs> i don't know if i can still hear now nah, don't don't let's oh, not hear. we're not
2: going to, to yeah, but
0: she helped me to hear music so I can give her the right tune in. If you ain't never sang on stage with Manuela before, don't do this. Yeah, it's it was serious. Let's let's relax. Okay, let's let's go. Let's go. So now years forward, you are Manuela in Burma LCPC, all that good stuff. And so my question to just start off is how is Manuela doing?
1: I'm doing well. You know, COVID tried to knock people down. Mm-hmm. Doing really well. Um, life is good. Uh, what else? Family is great. So yeah,
2: doing pretty good. Amazing. Yeah. So
1: um, I know we're on the show,
0: but I'm just going to ask: How's my mom doing? She's good. She's good. Yeah. I tell her to tune in because you know, I don't want her
2: to start commenting because that's going to get on the, on the, on the, in the yeah. comments yeah, well, I see how many. Uh, oh, oh, she. I hope. hope.
0: Yeah. The They're already coming in. They're they already coming, they <laughs> they coming in. So, yeah, you know, that's my mom. So I definitely got to talk. I got to send a shout out to her. Okay, shout out uh, to her. Manuela, um, you have gone from, like I said earlier, I knew you from middle school, high school, went up to college. I mean, you got, you got a graduate degree also, but let's talk about why you decided to go into mental health. Why? Okay.
1: okay so let's see. I'm going to like fast forward through like my story. Yeah. So go to undergrad. I am I go to undergrad strictly to be a teacher because I loved my second grade teacher. She she was a black woman, it was phenomenal. So of course you're like, I wanna be her. Get to college, I think I took a policy in education class and I was in there like, this is awful. This is, piss poor. But then I remember that I really enjoyed my psychology class in high school. So I was like, you know what? We're gonna switch over to psychology. Um, You can do a lot with a psychology degree, right? Some people, you know, will say different, but you could probably do a lot with a psychology degree. So I did that through my time in college. I mentored um, students, high school students. And then I was like, you know, I really enjoy, you know, sitting with people, talking with people, hearing their stories. found a program for clinical mental health counseling started it out i think i started out on a school counseling track see i'm still trying to like stay in schools oh. and then i hated it i i absolutely hated like the like the school counseling process so i switched just over to strictly clinical mental health counseling went down that route it was it was everything that i wanted everything that i needed everything that i was passionate for and i continued. I pursued it. It was great. I mean, and look, here I am now. So, you know, it's been great. And I really, really love it.
0: Amazing. Amazing. So I want us, I want you to walk us through this process. So when someone is sitting on your couch, Mm -hmm. on your chair, Mm -hmm. uh, whatever it is, I used to sit on the couch.
1: I have a couch. So I do have a couch. (laughs)
0: Okay. So if someone's sitting on your chair, walk us through that process. because I I don't think a lot of people understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So walk us through that process. So
1: you want to know from the moment that you choose that you want to start therapy or the moment that you have you found a therapist and you're sitting in front of your therapist? The
0: person finds a therapist and was sitting on that couch.
1: Okay. so this is for this is from my perspective only because I'm not going to speak for counselors worldwide or therapists worldwide. Um, For me, that initial session, your very first time sitting on someone's couch, I'm just trying to get to know you right? What brings you in? Uh, How did you get here? And what exactly it is that you need from this space, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I say this space because I think oftentimes we get uh, kind of enamored by the therapist themselves. Like I go to this person and they help me, but it's actually your space. So I can't really go anywhere or do anything without your consent. So It's more so about getting to know who you are, getting to know exactly like your family history, trauma history, right? Uh, How much grief have you experienced in life? How much loss have you experienced in life? Where are you right now? Who's in your support system, right? So that first session is more so just, I usually try to make it as conversational as possible because no one wants to feel like they're being interrogated. Exactly. So why are you here? What are you doing? No, we just, you know, so this is who I am. I tell you a little bit about myself, right? Just to, you don't want to know, you don't want me to know all of everything about you and then you know nothing about me. So I tell you a little bit about myself. Um, and then of course, we start to have that conversational, get to know you, um, trying to build that therapeutic relationship because that's really one of the most important things in therapy is that therapeutic relationship.
0: Okay, so the person has come, had the first session. Mm-hmm. And now given, they're giving, they're, what has been your experience with people opening up when it comes to therapy?
1: Okay, it depends. So this is the thing. It's all situational. I've had people who are very resistant to the therapy. Um, one, because let's say they're there because they are court-ordered, right? I've had some court order clients that are just like, look, I'm only here to fulfill this court order. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm sitting here. You, you can talk to me if you want, you know, whatever it is, right? And then there are other people that are just like, I've been waiting for this my whole life, right? I finally have someone that I can <laughs> that I can just tell everything to. So it's on a, it's on a spectrum, right? So for my resistant people, it's usually more so like there's a reason why you have a wall up, there's a reason why you're resistant, there's a reason why you don't want anyone to know anything about you. However, here you are sitting on my purple couch, and you kind of sort of, whether it's court ordered or not. That's kind of you're you're in a position where you need aid, or you need some perspective, right? And I'm here. I'm chilling right here, and we could have the conversation. I I'm not a huge um, person that kind of forces people to talk. Um, so I've had clients where if they come into my office and they've just gone through something traumatic or they've lost someone, if they just wanna come and for 45 minutes just like weep on the couch, I'm gonna pass you tissues. Like I'm gonna, we're gonna to sit together and just have that space. Cause I can't really dictate how far you wanna go. You have to do that. Wow. So it's just being able to be like very aware. It takes your therapist has to be very self-aware, right? Because my non-verbals can, can make you feel as like if I'm rushing your process or that I'm disinterested in what you have to say. However, um, and it could also be the the complete opposite where I'm very engaged and all of that. So, when a person comes in, you know, and they're resistant, I'm all about getting to know them. Because if if anything, some people really like to talk about themselves, mm-hmm. right? So I get to know you. Things, you know, let's say if it's a court order situation, how did you get here? You know, tell me about the situation that landed you to the point where you had to be here because of the court systems. Um, if it's someone, if it's a child who is just like, my mom is forcing me to be here, I usually tell them, you don't have to be here. Like, I don't want anyone in this space that is being forced to do this. Um, so it kind of, it's definitely, it's a range, right? I can't like pinpoint, like, this is exactly what happens, okay. but- just depending on the person, depending on what they come in with, how they come in, how comfortable they are, um, how willing they are, the level of openness—all of that plays a huge role into how much I, you know, the, the, the back and forth. Let's just say.
0: So when we're talking about you know people sitting on your couch and you're having this conversation, what is what has been your your demographics? So age and race that you've seen.
1: Ooh, okay, so my youngest clients four. Four, four, like four years, yeah. Oldest clients like in their fifties, you know. So literally all over. Wow. So there are days where I have like a, a a young child, a teen, an adult, and then back to like a teen or like a young yeah. adult. So it depends, right? So I have like I see basically people almost everyone on the spectrum of life or the life the lifespan.
0: So is it um? Are there different tactics that you use based on the age the age of the individual sex yeah. or gender or all that stuff are there different tactics well, that
1: you- i think more so it will definitely have to be with the age of the person their life development where they are developmentally right i'm not gonna sit a four year old down and have like a what brings you here type of conversation that's not gonna rock right um however i can do that with my 35 year old or my 15 year old um, so there's that. So there's is definitely being able to be flexible in the ways that you are, you know, communicating with your clients. Um, I don't usually employ different tactics that regarding like, you know, the gender of the person, I, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter because we're all people. Yeah. Um, and the main thing I think is just being able to be very in tune with yourself. Because as we have to realize that there are two people in that room. And I have to be aware of me, and then I also have to be aware of you, right? But if I have all of this going on and only focused on me, then I kind of lose sight of the person sitting in front of me. And I say that because I know I
0: give, I always like to be transparent. When I remember my first time going to therapy, it was therapy was easy for me mm-hmm. because I found the therapist. Uh-huh. I knew I needed therapy and I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody had to tell me you need it. I knew I needed it. And I tell this story because it's extremely important. I've always had people cut me off on the beltway. But this day, this lady cut me off, and I literally broke down. Mm. When I said, I mean, I was crying, you know, that cry away, there's snot coming from your nose and everything. That's the cry I had. Mm. And in that moment, a friend called me. I and mean, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. This lady cut me off, but there's something go. I was like, for, I'm like, something's going on with me. Like, I'm shaking, I'm crying. She's like, you having an episode. You... It, like, you can't understand it. I said, yes, yeah. she said, okay. So she told me what to do. I went to, I remember I went to Shady Grove. Mm-hmm. I went to Shady Grove Hospital. I went to the ER and I did all that. I said like, Oh, you probably need to see uh, this person. They did the whole little evaluation of me yeah. and did that whole thing. And that's when it told me I was manic depressant mm-hmm. and, you know, and I needed to see, uh, uh, um, and I needed to do something about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that's when I found my therapist. And I remember the first is sitting on her couch. It was like, I t- that forty five minutes I felt was the shortest day of my life. Yeah, because there was so much I had to say, but she had a blank. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> but it was the shortest day of my life because I realized that I had so like oh, I had so much to say that it was crazy. And yeah. I'm like, hey, I've been holding all this in me, and I remember having a conversation with somebody who I expected to be really, really in tune Mm -hmm. and said i never knew you would have that kind of problem all this time Mm -hmm. i knew you've been really bubbly and happy and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and so i want to go into this thing with you yeah this thing of this person doesn't seem that they need therapy how can we address that
1: um who are we to say what someone needs you know i think that it's kind of selfish okay to be able to just say well i don't think that's what you that's not for you you don't seem at the time to do that you're looking at me through your eyes right mm-hmm. you don't live in this body you don't experience what i see you don't you know see the world like i see it so for someone to say oh it doesn't seem like i would have never believed that she would have been in therapy it's like well you know what everybody actually if you don't have a therapist please go find one the world will be such a better place um and I think that like we have to be able to, kind of do a little more, a little less pointing fingers of like, oh, I didn't really, you know, because that's awful. Mm-hmm. And what does, how does someone who 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 can you pinpoint who looks like they need therapy? That's a good.
0: Oh, that, that's good. Yeah.
1: How does a person who needs therapy look like? Looks like. Right. True. There must be a. Uh, what's it called, like a, a a cookie cutter way of looking when you are in need of therapeutic services. And I don't really know what that looks like. So if those, if, if that's the case, if someone was to come up to me or is talk about someone and say, well, they don't really look like they, I didn't seem like the type, I'd be like, well, what does that look like? Because in my eyes, everybody fits into this, you know, everybody needs to go to therapy, but it's like, it's kind of selfish. You know, it's egotistical. You want to think that, you think that people, you know, you, you put yourself on a pedestal and you compare yourself to someone else. And if you feel like you match at that person and you don't need any help, then they don't need any help. Mm-hmm. That's a dangerous way of thinking. Right. Yeah. So it's a it's definitely a stigma. Right. Because when okay. someone speaks speaks up about mental health, it's like, what? Since when? Mm-hmm. And wh- why not? Why not take care of myself? Why not put myself first? Why not put my mental health first? Because for too long, so many people have been, haven't have been doing that.
0: And I think that's extremely important because I think the fact of us putting ourselves first mm-hmm. becomes a problem for people who are always first in your life. Right. So I think that's when, because I would tell those are the people who you always had first. I the not want to be like, what? Mm-hmm. Or it's like, when you start saying no. Yeah. You know, that's what I had to do. I had to learn. Literally, I had to learn how to say no. Mm-hmm. I have to learn how to say if this is not okay for me i am not doing it you, yep. like, and it was hard mm-hmm. and even having a child where it's like you know they say you gotta you always gotta be there for your child but i had realized okay yes he's my son but i need my meantime daddy needs his time so you need to get <laughs> out of my room and go to your room because i need my time right. for my own mental health yeah and so we're gonna i want to take us into this segment where, you know, we talked about everyone having some sort of mental instability. Mm -hmm. Everyone, there is mental health. Mental health is... Everyone needing mental health support, I would say. Everyone needs it. And especially at this time of COVID-19 and all the things that are going on around the world. Mm -hmm. I think everyone needs some sort of mental, uh, like you said, some sort of mental help, mental help or whatever it is, to calm them down and deal with the stress that life brings. Yeah. And I think a lot of us go into that space in our lives where there are a lot of things. Like for me, I was tra- I was going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very traumatic because I can tell people divorce is like death
1: yes it is if people don't
0: understand that it is like death because it's like you are with this person and now you can call this person you can text this person you can do this you can mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. in that same time i was dealing with all my other personal issues that i had to do with and then when i went to therapy and then it helped me to bring up certain things like i tell people now i said i am opinionated and I've spoken this because i learned that in therapy because mm-hmm. i remember people saying you talk too much you always have something to say you always have something to say. that's disrespectful um, now, when I was talking to my therapist, she said, no, it's not disrespectful. She said, you're just opinionated. And you're outspoken. I was like, ah, look at <laughs> <to> God. <laughs> you mean, all oh, these yes. I didn't know I could change that word. You mean, wow. I'm opinionated. <laughs> so that's why I put that on me. Because I was like, that's me. Yeah. That's I always have something to say. Mm-hmm. And so I want to move us into this segment where I have a friend who's someone you also know
2: mm-hmm.
0: who had to deal with certain things. Mm. He had to deal with certain things, and I want him to just talk about his journey. These -hmm. things that he had to deal with, where there are a lot of things happening in your life at once, and then your body tells you slow down. And if you don't want to slow down, I'm gonna slow you down. That's right. So I'm gonna bring Estali in. Okay. And Estali, are you there?
2: Yes. Hey, guys.
0: Welcome to the conversation. It's outspoken and opinionated, like I said earlier. And so I was, me and Manuel are just having this conversation about therapy. And I asked you to come on this show today because we all, basically, we all grew up together. Yeah. Uh, we all experienced a lot of things in our lives. But I just want you, I want the viewers to see that this thing that we're talking about can happen to all of us. It happened to me. It can happen to everybody. Where the, how you call it? The bullets of life comes and like i said earlier your body tells you slow down and you say oh no i'm the giant i'm gonna handle this and then the body shut down and throw you into a different direction
2: yeah so um,
0: just let you just let us let them know how life is
3: yeah uh well firstly thank you for having me um already listening to you guys I already feel like i'm in the right place to having the right conversation. <laughs> oh.
2: um, Good.
3: Um, yeah, and I think when you break it down like that, it the concept sounds mm-hmm. simple. And in life, unfortunately, we can't diagnose it so simply. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the darts of life when they come at us. So me as a young person, I had I feel like my cultural experiences, whether I wanted it to or not, gave me a crash course. And mental health firsthand. You go through so many things as a a teenager in America, as a child of immigrants in America, as a child of religious parents in America, as a child of so many social constructs. There's a lot of pressures coming to you that attack your physical, mental, and spiritual aspects. And unfortunately, sometimes. We don't, we're not in environments where the people around us are thriving. Everyone is dealing with their form of survival. And unfortunately, the stress and breakdown of that over time can create serious mental health problems. And me firsthand having experienced that, where you go through all of these things and one you don't really have any true guidance on how to maneuver it so you're going about it blind expending a lot of energy through the trial and error of going around Mm -hmm. in life Mm -hmm. or two sometimes as a child in those situations that i mentioned a lot of times the only examples that we have are of people who maneuver those situations sometimes in toxic manners and That alone, as a child growing up, witnessing that, especially if you're a smart child, you watch and you register the fact that um, a lot of what the adults around you are saying isn't what they're doing in life. Mm -hmm. When you try to meet that standard, you yourself get gaslit into a situation where you, you don't believe what you're doing is correct, even though sometimes what you're doing is correct. Mm-hmm. So that whole confusion can break a person down physically, mentally and spiritually. And sometimes all three will happen in such a way where you're just so crushed mm-hmm. that you lose um control of your basic functionings in life. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a spiritual person, sometimes you don't even know how to register that. Let alone just as a regular human being. Mm-hmm. So those factors man they can put you in such a place where you don't you don't even recognize the pieces of yourself you look like you went through some type of accident where you know you you can't believe the damage uh but you're there you're living through it and Mm -hmm. somehow you have to manage to cope recover and grow from those situations and unfortunately a lot of people never do um, yeah. You can just look at the previous generation and see that some people have been carrying these things for their entire lives.
2: Okay.
3: We've inherited. They even now studies are showing, from what I hear, I'm no expert of that, that you pass down stress in your genetics and in your DNA. Yeah. You know, spiritually, we recognize and call that generational curses or something there like that. There you go. But um, those... Yeah, man, it's it's just so much to process, feel, yeah. learn. Yeah, and like I said, unfortunately, sometimes people never outgrow that. We're just getting to the point in time in society that we have the information to even just start to recognize and diagnose these things. So when you look and you wonder how the previous generations got by with even less knowledge than we have now, yeah. it you it, your mind just boggles at the type of Pressure and pain that everyone is experiencing all around us.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so let me
3: go into this. So
0: this is the conversation. I spoke an opinionated, and so we're gonna go through the whole conversation. So Estelle, a couple of years back, there was an episode. Yeah, and I remember you dealing with certain things, and where you had, I was like I said earlier, I had a meltdown, and yeah. you had a meltdown. And what was your expectation? from the people around you when that happened?
3: Um, well, me personally, like I had known myself and my situation as a person and I typically didn't speak much, mm-hmm. but I, I knew to make my voice heard in serious, clear, and direct ways in the past. And I had, previously told a lot of people or the the important people within my circle that you know stuff is breaking i feel like i'm losing my mind i'm breaking down no type of response or recognition was given at first Mm -hmm. so i kind of knew and i had an idea that because when i had my breakdown it was a partial partial uh conscious decision to let people know just that i'm i don't have control over what's going on with me physically Mm -hmm. i need drastic help can somebody please help because i've been repeating myself many times throughout the years Mm -hmm. and to me it was a simple situation because over the years you you saw the pressure treatment and help or lack of help that i had been receiving So my expectation was since the people around me, they claim to know what's best for me. They claim to be able to guide me. They claim to be able to help me when needed. I would see some type of competent response from them. Mm -hmm. But again, going into this situation, I kind of knew that they're not even really capable of giving a competent response. So Uh. I wasn't expecting much but at least i was expecting something tangible okay you know i just kept getting handed off from hand to hand to hand to hand mm-hmm. so it grew a lot of you know resentment within myself cuz i'm like you guys are proving my point that you don't know what you're doing
2: mm-hmm.
3: so it the you know the expectations aspect Really, just turned more into straight disappointment for me, because yeah. uh, I already knew the situation going in, you know, going into it. But it was just at the point where physically I couldn't take it no more, because I was literally having, like you mentioned, some sort of breakdowns. I had a desk job, and I was having anxiety attacks before going into work to for my desk job.
2: Mm-hmm. And everyone
3: knows, you know, I work hard. I'm a, a person who. Doesn't know how to rest, so like to help me out. It's not hard. Just give me a place to rest.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I like that. So, Manuel, I pose this to you. So, you as the person of the person on this platform. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh So,
0: you heard your story. Yes. And coming, I want you. I want you to. If you hadn't put on your therapist hat, I want you to wear it right now.
2: Okay.
0: Because there might be people who are watching. Might be people who will watch this Mm -hmm. in that moment. As a therapist, mm-hmm. what 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 was the right thing for us to have done to him or help him out? What, what, what was it?
1: Yeah. So first things first, one, I would say this. He was very clear compared mm-hmm. to other people about his desire and need for help, right? And I think that the first thing that we do is we need to start taking people seriously. Um the dismissal of the question, the dismissal of like someone asking for help is minimizing, right? And it kind of like shows a person, well, yeah, you know, so, right, I'm asking for help, you dismiss me, you pass me on to someone else, Mm -hmm. that's so harmful. So, so harmful to the heart, so harmful to the community itself. Because if you're talking about a community of people who you feel like you have put in your circle, Right, to help you um, when you do need help. It's very harmful to be passed off to the next. So that's the one thing. He was very clear, very clear about what he needed. Two, as a community, I think that we need to do a better job of the hearing, right? So it's one thing for me to hear you and say, Oh, well, yeah, Sally said that he needed help. What does that mean?
2: Yeah.
1: Right? If if the people around him knew, okay, he needs he needs to rest. Oftentimes we I think it's important to meet the, the immediate need first right? So for example, if he hasn't eaten, if he hasn't slept, if he needs clothes, right, and then everything else that happens after is, everything else will happen after that. I'm going to make sure that he's rested, he's fed, right? And then everything else will happen after the the rest of the conversation. that's some of the things that people usually forget where it's just like, this is a person I'm talking to a person. Um, so that's one. And then oh no, that was probably two. And then the next thing is empathetic hearts and empathetic ears, empathetic, uh, questions. Right. Okay. So if he's asking me for help, what exactly? How can I help you right now? Okay. If you don't have the words to say, I'm going to toss some things out. Sometimes therapists kind of lead the way in the sense that they, um, I'm gonna start the list of things that I might think that you need based off of the conversations that we've had. So with your community, based off of the conversations that I've had, not just now, but prior to, maybe when I'm feeling in better spirits and I just casually mention the fact that, man, going to work really stresses me out to the point where before work, I have panic attacks, right? right? Knowing that, and then now here he is asking for help. What can I do? Do you need me to call into your job and make sure that you don't go in today? right? What else? And then after that, we will we'll handle the next need. So with the community is more so being able to know your person. And if you don't know your person, well, it's I think it's safe to ask questions. I'm sure that he wouldn't have been dismissive of them if they were coming with the empathetic ears and an empathetic heart to say, okay, well, what, what can I, I don't really know. I haven't been here before. What do you need from me? Right. Because not everybody's an expert. And we can't really when we talk about expectations, there's expectations for like our family, expectations for our close friends, um, expectations for people in our, um, I guess, circle and community. um, And then everything else falls after that. But not everyone in those uh, tiers of life knows you as much as you know yourself. So those questions are important right? So being able to not pass someone off and be dismissive of their need, but more so to kind of take the humble aspect and say, look, I don't really know what's going on, but I want to help you. And I want to help you to the best of my ability. So, and I'm, and if it means walking you through it, standing by your side through it, then that's what it means. Because I'm sure all of that matters in the end. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does make sense. And so I really like the way how you put it when it comes to the community and what we as a community are supposed to do for each other. Mm-hmm. But I think most often, if you're in a specific, and I'm just going to say this, we are minorities on this platform. Mm-hmm. I'm black, you're Black. He's Hispanic. I'm a black woman, baby. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in our community, I think in our communities, mm-hmm. we downplay when it comes to mental health. Yes. We believe that like this phrase that comes up where uh, Um, Umtarachi P. Henson said she doesn't like a strong black woman. Mm -hmm. She's Because because people say she's a strong black woman, they don't expect her to cry. Yeah, They don't expect her to break down. Mm They don't expect her to have anything of her emotion because she's supposed to be a strong black woman. And I think this happens to our our community because we're like we're strong. We're immigrants or, or our parents are immigrants. They came out that worked hard and we're supposed to be appreciative of everything mm-hmm. that they have given us. And so if I have a problem and I can not say, you know, I, I don't feel good today. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to stay in my room. Yes. Because for my mental um, health, I need to be by myself. Mm-hmm. Our family don't understand that. So I want us to go into the place, um, Manuela, you being a therapist. a therapist. Mm-hmm. The stigma, I know we talked about that earlier, but let's talk about that stigma. But the stigma that's in families, how families approach, because I think this conversation is really important that we have having in families. I think we don't have these conversations at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. So how, when family take these things and stigmatize
1: it, how does it affect your clients or can affect us? Um, you are dismissing my reality. Hmm. You are dismissing my experience. You are making my life invalid, right? But then here's the thing. I think oftentimes people do this and say, um, "If I made it through a war, ten kids, the you know the World Trade Center collapsing, uh, so and so, if I made it through all of that, what's a little bit of sadness, right?" what's a little bit of just like a sprinkle that's that's nothing compared to all that i've been through and you know what standing ovation yes standing ovation for your resilience standing ovation for your strength right but you know what's crazy i am not you so that's the thing so when we talk about i think sally mentioned this before where it was just like that trauma gets passed down the way that we deal with trauma gets passed down. Um, and our inability to deal with our trauma, our loss, our grief, our all of that, all of that gets passed down. So if you're sitting at a dinner table where mom went through something, kept it quiet, hush, hush. Dad went through something, kept it hush, hush. So-and-so went through, sister went through something, kept it hushed husband and brother, went to college, met someone who introduced him to therapy, comes home and is like, y'all, I mine is blown. I can't even, we've been doing this thing called life wrong. Why haven't we been having these conversations about our hurt, about our pain, about our trauma, right? Immediately, this person is outnumbered and it's tough for them to have that conversation. So for me as a clinician, I have to, I kind of, want to learn more about the family history, right? What about your family? Because at the end of the day, when you come to therapy, it's 45 to 50 minutes a week, which means all the things that you talk about and all the coping skills that you learn, you have literally everything else, all like seven days a week, all the other hours and the minutes in the day, you have to use those 45 minutes worth of coping skills at home, at work, as you're driving, whatever else. So if the family comes in and if your family is willing to have some level of buy-in where it's like, yes, we want wellness, right? Wellness for him. But then if wellness for him means wellness for us, then we'll do whatever it takes, then by all means, you're kind of like on the winning side. But that stigma is harmful it's harmful it's what causes people to suffer in silence
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and a lot of people suffer in silence and you know when we go back to that in, in when we talk about oh you didn't seem like the kind of person to do that yeah because i was suffering in silence you know i didn't have i didn't i never have i never had the uh, the space to willingly and um, eloquently express whatever it is that i was going on what was going on with me so at the dinner table, you know, creating an environment where the stigma is no more. Like my wellness, just because you take me to the doctor and I see my PCP and I see my uh, my orthodontist or whatever, I gotta go get my uh, my mental, you know, yeah. Check. So yeah, so family stigma is a tough one. That's a tough one to deal with, especially if you're dealing with someone who doesn't have that family support. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have to create the a support outside of the family wherein they know, okay, well, if, if I don't have this family situation, yeah. I don't have this other support group.
0: And so um, you talked about, you know, uh, um, you said something that really sparked something for me because I knew when I went through therapy and there was something I couldn't sleep. Mm. But for me to sleep, mm. I just need to take two shots of
2: vodka. Okay. Now we're good. That. And so
0: I remember telling. Another person, part of our organization, uh-huh. and I said this. And they said, If you can't sleep, pray. You need to be praying to God right now so that God can really help you with the situation that you're going through. Mm-hmm. And I remember I literally broke down. Mm-hmm. Like, this problem that I have, don't you think I've prayed think about it? Mm-hmm. So, you as a therapist, how do you deal with those? religious, um, I don't even know how to say it, just the religious things that come with
1: therapy. <laughs> um, I love Jesus, mm. right? I love Jesus. Um, and I think that we have to understand the, the heart of Jesus. Jesus would not dismiss you and tell you, oh, what are you, is that hurt that you're talking about? Mm. Oh, well, go pray, right? Jesus is going to sit and weep with you if you're weeping, right? He's gonna be angry with you if you're being if you're angry. You get what I mean? So there's that. Um, ah, that religious thing is, 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 for some people it's hard. It's hard to like balance the two, right? Um, and you have to be able to, as a clinician for me, I have to be able to know, well, the client has to kind of like tell me, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a person of faith. Um, and if they're coming in and bringing their religion into it, maybe they're Muslim or they practice it, like it doesn't matter, right? How does that apply to you as a person, right? How does this affect you as a person? How does that affect the way that you look at life? Like you said, you don't think I prayed about it? You know, yeah. praying about it brought me here. And here I am sitting in front of you and I need help. So, with that, I think that we have to debunk a lot of this tough Christian love. You feel me? Um, Where we are more so tossing people aside and throwing them to go to Christ, go to Christ, go to Christ. But Christ puts you here, you know? And here I am coming to you um, asking, because I'm in need of something. I'm in need of community. I'm in need of aid. And you are tossing me away. Um, That's harmful. Religion has been very harmful in the way that people deal with their mental health. Mm -hmm. Religion has negatively impacted the way people look at themselves. Whenever they're going through something, if you were driving in your car that day and that person cut you off, and then you had your mental your your breakdown, right? Mm -hmm. It's an attack of the enemy, EJ. Oh yeah, that's I heard that. They said the devil, the devil. I said with that, you You have Mm -hmm. to pray it out. Harmful. Yeah. Very harmful. Very very harmful there's a reason why there are doctors. There's a reason why there are people who are vets, right? Everybody has a job for a reason.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If yes, God is God is sovereign over all things. Yeah. And understanding that, you know, I know God is good. And because God is good, God gave me a doctor to go to. Amen. I'm sick.
0: I gotta say amen to
1: that. Yeah, because God is good, right? I know that, you know, I can go to the accountant and get my finances correct. Uh, yeah, I see one. I see one on this. On this here. Okay, because God is good, I can go to my therapist yes. and sit in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. I think we yes, God is sovereign over all things, but then don't minimize Him by saying, "Okay, well, no, I just I just gotta pray. Go go fuck. Go get some help."
2: Mm-hmm. You know? and,
0: um, uh, sorry, I don't want to call you, but I what you said, but I want to go to Istali. Yes. Well, the preacher be savage, because I see the name. I, I had to recognize that name, preacher be savage. So, I want to. So, when, she, when we were talking about a lot of the uh, 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 um, religion and Christianity, I saw you shaking your head, I saw you smiling. So, being like, you are the preacher be savage, I'm going to pull you into this one. So, let's talk about this whole religion and everything. Um, so I want to say this, um, Veronica Mills said, yes, God provides that therapy for healing on this, on this plane. Um, Karen Kashala said therapy can also be the answer to prayer.
1: Hear you. That's
0: right. Um, and he buried too much. Akoya said, don't put it in a box. Yeah. So be savage. Let's go. What's your take on this whole thing? Cause I not want to hear from you.
3: Well, Yeah. Mental Ill, mental health, mental awareness, religion, and stigma I have unfortunately been peas in a pod for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, looking just a little bit at the history of studying mental health and how it uh, interjects with religion, you know, a lot of our ideas come from archaic, old, outdated and supernatural phenomena. There is mixture of both. There is truth to both. But as the world changes, evolves, we get more information of everything. A lot of times we realize that a lot of our mental health issues are practical things that can be controlled and managed. And in religion though, unfortunately, Religious institutions sometimes they're the last to get these bits of evolution and information, and
2: he is so are correct
3: are slow. to
2: <laughs> are slow. Go ahead.
3: You know what's going on uh-huh. on the mental health scene, mm-hmm. and because you know tradition overtakes that aspect as well, and That's it right. is deadly. Be- that's right. And that's that's probably the most heartbreaking thing about it because God calls us to be shepherd of the sheep. Mm-hmm. and always, He says love your God with all your might strength and uh, might strength and spirit. I, I don't remember the third one, but um, it's always holistic. You know the call to take care of people is holistic. And if you don't know how all these systems interject with each other, you're not going to be effective in helping people. Yeah. And a religion hides behind, it's not my duty, you know, that's not my job. My job is to point people to Jesus. Uh, and, and it's embarrassing because yeah. if you have pastors and, and deacons and elders and bishops who don't know the culture of their sheep, don't know the mental health status of their sheep, don't know the problems that their sheep are dealing with, it's embarrassing. Because then uh, you think you're helping them, but you're not. Mm -hmm. And and they hide, that stigma creates a dividing line and factor because they justify themselves on one side because of the religious stigma that's been added to the people. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't know how to deal with this type of crazy. Lord, it's in your hands. No, God gave you the power to go fix them. Mm. But you're scared of that power.
1: Mm. And you I, I'm going to play devil's advocate real quick.
3: Yeah, go ahead. Right.
1: I, I think it's important.
3: And I don't want it to turn into a bashing thing. Oh, no,
1: no, 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 I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate. So This is the
0: conversation we are opinionated and outspoken in this platform, you can say whatever you want to say.
1: I just want to say this cuz I think that um yes I agree with everything you said Estali and then I think that you know leadership in churches all churches leadership just in general just if you are a leader at your job at your school whatever it might be um you need to be okay with saying I don't know you know what I mean yeah. you need to be okay with saying this is not something that I have grown up in. This is not something that I'm used to. Therefore, I'm gonna like seek outside help. Exactly. Um, I'm going to read more. I'm going to study more when it comes to this because this—if this is what is impacting my the people who I'm leading—if that's what's impacting them, then I need to be able to get them the resources that they need, right? But I think that there is some. Sometimes people kind of. Are scared to express their uh, lack of knowledge, right? Because if you're a leader, you people you want people to assume well, you might think that you you want to know everything, but it's okay to say that you don't know, right? Hey, thank you for coming. I don't know how to help you, but I found these resources that I think will be really impactful, right? Hey, so I didn't I don't I didn't know anything about this growing up. Never heard of it. This is my first time sitting here with you is my first time hearing about this. And I'm going to be honest with you and saying that I don't know, because if the minute that I dismiss my I don't know and try to help you, I'm immediately harming you. That's immediate harm. You don't go. It's like going to the dentist and the dentist didn't finish dental school mm. and they're all in, in, in your root canal or whatever. And they didn't say that they didn't know. And here you are. You leave the office more hurt than you came right so sometimes this is where this is my double advocate moment where i'm like sometimes people just don't know so that's just a statement that i'm gonna say
0: some uh, iberio koya said we all have different gifts and callings and it's okay to know that together the body is complete yeah and I think that's something that we all need to understand that is extremely important because mm-hmm. we need to understand i know i can say this on the top of my voice Celebrate recovery, mm. save my life. Mm. And I was at a church, at, it was a church in Glen Burnie.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Celebrate recovery, save my life. Mm. Because in their church, they'll realize that there are people who are Christians and who are certain platforms where, guess what? They deal with hurt. They did was shut shutdown. They have a uh, um, certain sort of addiction that they need help with. Yeah. And so they need a group and a safe space where they can talk about those things and people can help them out to deal with that issue. So mm-hmm. you go into an environments where there is somebody in that group who say, hey, I had a similar issue. I've been there before. Let me t- help you out. Mm -hmm. I can be a sponsor, I can help you out. So I think in these organizations, we said earlier, in churches or whatever religious group we're a part of, we need to really, really know how to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I think someone posted earlier and said that, like the stigma that people say men don't cry. And I would tell people, when I by the time I turned 30, I became in tune to my emotional side. Everything. Like I've been watching eyes, but like, Daddy, you're not crying again. I'm there, like, I'm crying. I'm crying. <laughs> I am so like it's like it's like something happened. Yeah. But I think we as men, we need to show that side. We need to show that emotional side. When I'm going through stuff, I don't know. Get up the phone and say, homeboy shoot. I'm something's happening. I know what's going on. Yeah. No, but I think we don't do that. And then when it comes to ch- church, I would say church,
2: mm-hmm.
0: where there is a stigma where it's like if you at a certain level in the church, certain things are not supposed to happen to you. And so, and those are the people who are at a certain level the things do happen to But they mm-hmm. ain't got nobody to talk to because guess what? Yeah. They're at a certain level. Mm-hmm. So we need to understand that we, someone said that we are not immune to these issues. We are not. No matter where you are, no matter where, what the face of life, wherever you're at in your life, this is important. And I think mental health is extremely important. We need to learn how to control our mental health. And before you started you came on. I said this to Manuela, I had to learn how to say no. Yeah, I heard that. it was hard. I'm not gonna lie to you because I always say yes, to everything. If, if Edmont came to this, yes, if came to this, yes, you put to piece this, yes. I'm just going, but yeah. I also realized that somebody here said this thing, said you use. I think she said it's an illegitimate need. No, you have a legitimate need, but you use an illegitimate means to meet that need. Yeah. All those things I was doing was a cry for help. Mm-hmm. I was doing All those things running up and down and doing all these things because I had an issue. Yeah. My, my mental instability was crazy, but I felt <laughs> that when I do all these things, I ain't going to deal with all my issues. But then when I realized I learned how to say no, then I said, Oh, Oh, I do have this issue. The issue is still here. Yeah. There's something going on with me. Yeah. People who were friends with you don't want to be friends with you no more because of your certain status. That messes up with your mental health. And Mm -hmm. I'm talking to somebody here today. When you are part of a group where you guys are all together and something happened to somebody, you need to check up on them. That's true. Find out what they're doing. Call Mm -hmm. them, text them. Figure out what's going on with them because when you used to see that person all the time and you don't see them no more, something mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, literally something happened. That's why this person is not part of this group anymore. You don't see this person no more. So mm-hmm. I think we all need to take responsibility to, to do these things. And before we end this, I don't know, Manuela, Esteli, do you guys want to whatever you guys want to leave with our people? With the, I call them the village, the villagers. What okay. do you have to leave with the villagers today? Because I think this was a great conversation.
1: You wanna go or should I go first? Um, you, first? you guys, who gonna
3: uh, go first? I'll go first. Uh, go you, you can leave us with your professional input. I go ahead.
1: To, you part of-
2: question.
1: There's two questions. Okay,
0: let's you. go to Karen mm-hmm. Um,
1: I'm
0: gonna put it on the board. Okay. Can you see it?
1: Hmm. Okay can you ever reach a place of full mental stability or is it a continuous process that you learn to heal and manage?
0: I think Manuela, that question is for you.
1: For me? Was that question for me, Karen Kashala? Yeah, I think it was for you. <laughs> um, can you ever get to the point of full mental stability? The word stability is a good, is, is a good one. I That brings up a, um, a picture of a, what's the called? The seesaw. Okay, so it brings up a question <clears throat> of the seesaw where there's good, there's bad, there's good, there's bad, and then there's moments where you're right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would say, you learn how to heal, you learn how to manage, and all of that works towards your mental health. Mental stability is in the sense that we are, that word by itself makes, it's like the, um, it's a picture that we're all out of free fall, right? Um, we don't, not everybody's free falling. But people mm-hmm. learn skills to maintain in their parachutes to turn to to open up their parachutes when they need it um, to ask for help when they need it. So you learn how to just you you have your coping skills. Um, therapy is never supposed to last forever. I have mm-hmm. clients that you know that one year mark comes and I'm like, all right, so we're still here. That hurt my feelings. that's <laughs> supposed to stay forever. <laughs> that's the thing. It's not supposed to last forever right the moment that you feel like you are dependent on your therapist to live is the moment that you they haven't done their job so it's not supposed to last forever you're supposed to take all that you know the growth that you've learned the coping skills that you've learned the techniques that you've learned and use them in your daily life and implement them in situations that in the past would have been a stumbling block for you right so you learn how to heal you learn how to manage you learn how to um, Just deal with life experiences day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, right? In such a way that yes, you can get to the point where I am walking towards mental stability, right? My seesaw is leveling out, it's not just running wild. You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm at a point where I'm able to be not necessarily Zen, but there's uh, uh, equilibrium, Uh right? And I'm able to maintain this equilibrium. Sometimes it's going to go one way, mm-hmm. sometimes it's going to go another. But I have the tools to come back and maintain equilibrium. So that's why I would say the that question. Hopefully okay.
0: I answered it. I think you did. So Estali, I think <laughs> I want to get this question. <laughs> to Kimmy Adetula sent a question and she said, because when we're talking and we talked about, you know, people um, saying uh-huh. they don't know. She uh-huh. said, why do they don't know how to say I don't know?
3: Uh, well, first I want, I want to really touch on that last question uh, of mental stability. just because, you know, even my, in my own experience, when I was breaking down, that's one of the things, you know, when you're in that, that, that in depths of the, of a mental health crisis where your mental stability is out the window, Mm -hmm. there is hope, you know, uh, even during those times that's when scriptures and Psalms became very real to me, especially the ones of David, when mm-hmm. he's talking about, I've, I've really lost my mind. Like I can't do anything. My bones hurt, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I'm, I'm in sorrow all day long. Uh, there's there's peace and there's hope in trusting, I you know, uh, there's a God out there that can help you even in those times of such instability. Um, I just wanted to touch on that because I felt like, um, even for those just going through it in the process who might be tired of going through life with an unstable mind, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: just please continue to go on that route because even when, when, when your mind is just completely gone and out there, you can come back from Mm that. And to that, to the next question of what if they don't know how to say they don't know, um, uh, that's, that's the crossroads. That's where, the test is because the person looking for help has to understand that, you know, uh, that 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 was the biggest breakdown and heartbreaking thing for me as well because as I was realizing what was going on in myself, I also had so much pain and compassion for the previous generation, especially my parents because I saw a version of myself um, in my father. Like I had been dealing with, my situation only for 25 years Mm. he's almost double my age Mm. and he had been dealing it since he was way younger than me so uh that's on our end for those looking you know for the help as to those who don't know how to say i don't know um i don't know how to you know, a system or what to expect in that manner because everyone has to go, that's a certain type of blindness and darkness that that person has to come out of and who's to say how to help them come out of that? Is is you know, both of those issues, you know, everyone needs help to navigate them so that we can all both come together and meet and grow from it because that's that's really, I think, the ultimate goal from both parties. But you guys
0: have been great and we have 30 seconds left, but I'm going to say we have one minute left. So I'm going to give Manuela 30 seconds okay. to- for lasting mo- remarks and preacher be savage. You get 30 seconds. So, Manuela, you go ahead.
1: All right. So I'm going to say this and end with this. It's don't suffer alone. We are people. God created us to be in community with one another. Um, it's important that you do not suffer alone. Um, seek out the help that you need. Talk to people who you trust. Um, Understand that what you're going through, someone else has probably already gone through. And do not suffer alone. There's help out there. Do it. And at the end of the day, God is sovereign over all things. There's nothing too big for him. Your situation is not too big that he can't handle. So remember that. Be in community. Love on yourself. Take care of yourself. And don't suffer alone. Picture being savage.
3: (laughs) That's almost along the same lane, and we'll piggyback off of that. Um, be savage in trying to get your help because, uh, you know, a lot of people they don't, uh, they when they feel thrown away, um, their life and livelihood uh, they may want to kill themselves, and that's a real place to be and, and end up at. And I don't want anybody. To ever, you know, get to that and turn to those measures when they can be savage and ask and demand for the help that they need. And I want to
0: say, always remember that life is exactly how you make it. This was the conversation, outspoken and opinionated. I had my girl Manuela in Boma, and I also had the picture be savage. Be savage. And I will say this again. If you have not registered to vote, you need to go out and the in Maryland. October 13th is the last day to Please. register to vote. November 3rd, we need you guys to vote because oh. this is important. Your vote counts. Yes. Please go out and vote. We need you guys. This was the conversation. We'll be back next week, Thursday at 7 p.m. And now we say goodbye to everyone and have a great evening.
2: Bye-bye.